Welcome to the Pearl of Great Price podcast. Thanks for joining us today. It's the 11th of June and on this day in Christian history, we go back to the year 1951 and we travel to New York where today Fulton Sheen was consecrated as a bishop. A charismatic speaker in the pioneer religious media in the 20th century, he would win an Emmy for his broadcasts. From 1930 to 1950, he regularly appeared on the Catholic Hour radio program. And in 1951, as a bishop, he launched the popular Life is Worth Living television series. One of the first tele-evangelists, the show was scheduled in a prime time slot on Tuesday nights at 8pm and did surprisingly well, even up against such rating giants as Frank Sinatra. Life and Time magazine ran feature stories on Bishop Sheen, and the number of stations carrying Life is Worth Living jumped from 3 to 15 in less than two months. The response from the audience was also considerable, with fan mail flowing in at a rate of 8,500 letters a week. And there are four times as many requests for tickets as could be, could be fulfilled by the New York Archdiocese. In 1952, when Sheen won an Emmy Award for his efforts, he accepted the reward, saying, I, fell, I feel it is time I pay tribute to my four riders, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. The programmes drew as many as 30 million people weekly, but he retired from the program suddenly, and there were rumours that this was due to the internal church politics involving New York's powerful Cardinal Spellman. In 1958, Sheen became National Director of the Society for the Propagation of the Faith, serving for eight years. And in this capacity between 1962 and 1965, he attended all the sessions of the Second Vatican Council, and worked closely with Father Joseph Ratzinger, who was a theological expert on the Commission for Mission. In a 2012 interview with Vatican Radio, Father Ratzinger, who is now Pope Benedict, recalled how Fulton Sheen would fascinate us in the evenings with his talks. After the Council, he was appointed Bishop of the Diocese of Rochester, New York, and his fame led him to convert a number of notable figures to the Catholic faith, including the automaker Henry Ford, community organiser Bella Dodd, and the violinist and composer Fritz Kreisler. But why did someone so apostolically effective resign from such a popular TV programme so suddenly? According to the foreword written for a 2008 edition of his autobiography, Treasure in Clay, Catholic journalist Raymond Arroyo wrote, In the late 1950s, the government donated millions of dollars worth of powdered milk to the New York Archdiocese. In turn, Cardinal Spellman handed that milk over to the Society for the Propagation of the Faith to distribute to the poor of the world. On at least one occasion, he demanded that the director of the society, Bishop Sheen, pay the archdiocese for the donated milk. He wanted millions of dollars. Sheen refused, as these were funds donated by the public to the missions, 
funds Sheen himself had personally contributed to and raised over the airwaves. He felt an obligation to protect them, even from the itchy fingers of his own cardinal. Spellman took the issue directly to Pope Pius XII, pleading his case with Sheen present. But the Pope sided with Sheen. And Spellman allegedly later confronted Sheen, warning him that he would get even. He cancelled Sheen's annual Good Friday sermons at St. Patrick's Cathedral, and he discouraged clergy from befriending the bishop. In 1966, Spellman had Sheen reassigned to Rochester, New York, and caused his leadership at the Society for the Propagation of Faith to be terminated. To his credit, Sheen never talked about the situation, only making vague references to his trials both inside and outside the church. He went so far as to praise Spellman in his autobiography. Sheen was known to be alternatively charming, but also ruthless. And there was a hardness sometimes which can be seen today in America's notorious culture wars. Sheen showed concern with contemporary issues, but denigrated anyone who showed compassion towards criminals, addicts, sex workers, countercultural youth, gay people, shouting in his sermon false compassion, there are sob sisters, there are social slobberers, who insist on compassion being shown to the muggers, to the dope fiends, to the throat slashers, to the beatniks, to the prostitutes, to the homosexuals, to the punks, so that today the decent man is practically off the reservation. However, it would be unfair to say that he was consistently reactionary. He bravely denounced the Vietnam War and created ecumenical housing initiatives, particularly for the black community. Because of the sheer volume of the material we have from Sheen, it would be inevitable that sometimes his messages were mixed and defensive, especially after he accepted the ordination to the episcopacy, with all of the institutional weight that carries. A famous essay on celibacy begins with the express goal of dispelling the assumption that marriage is less holy in a divine plan than celibacy. He boldly proclaims that both are good, complementary and not competitive. However, when closely read, the tone of the essay is one of condescending superiority. Marriage belongs to the secular world, uses, uses alternating current, travels by roadway, labours with hands, tools and reason, etc. Celibacy, by contrast, deals with the spiritual world, uses direct current, travels by air, and positively vibrates with intuition, poetry and dreams. Although he may have revealed himself when he says, it is because of his love that I loathe myself. It is his mercy which makes me remorseful. And it was the self-loathing that sometimes came through. In 2002, Sheen's cause for canonization was officially opened by Bishop Daniel R. Jenke. And from then on, Sheen has been referred to as a servant of God. In 2008, the archives of Sheen were sealed at a ceremony during a special mass at the Cathedral of St. Mary of the Immaculate Conception of Peoria, Illinois, marking the end of the diocesan phase of the investigation.
The records were sent to the Congregation for the Causes of Saints at the Vatican in Rome four years later. And the Vatican announced officially that it had recognised Sheen's life as being one of heroic virtue, and he was styled Venerable Servant of God. A miracle attributed to him was the inexplicable recovery of James Fulton Engstrom, a stillborn boy in September 2010 to Bonnie and Travis Engstrom in Goodfield near Peoria. Engstrom's parents prayed for the intercession of Sheen for their son's recovery, and the infant had had no discernible pulse for 61 minutes and was about to be declared a stillborn infant and yet still lived to be healthy, without physical or mental impairment. The purported miracle was eventually approved after considerable investigation, but even then, the beatification has been postponed. This has not been due to any suggestion of personal misconduct by Sheen, but the concerns focus on his diocese of Rochester, where Sheen had served as an auxiliary bishop from 1959 to 1966. Rochester is the first diocese in New York to seek bankruptcy protection amid a new wave of abuse lawsuits driven by a one-year window when the state, in the state to file claims that had been previously barred by the statute of limitations. Although there are no allegations against Sheen himself, his beatification has been delayed by Pope Francis at the request of a few US bishops to review Sheen's role in priest assignments. This raises broader questions about how potential candidates for the sainted are to be evaluated in a time of unprecedented historical scrutiny particularly what is now referred to as offence archaeology, or the archaeology of outrage. Probably the best known, and maybe for Catholics the most delicate case, is Pope John Paul II himself, who was beatified in 2011, just six years after his death by Pope Benedict XVI, and then canonised three years later by Pope Francis particularly John Paul's handling of the Mexican priest Marcel Maciel, the founder of the Legion of Christ, and Cardinal Theodore McCarrick, who both eventually admitted to being serial abusers when confronted with persistent allegations and evidence. However, sainthood is not like a knighthood. Once it's given, it is definitive and not revoked. And sainthood is also not a declaration of personal perfection, as anyone who lived with a saint would know, but more akin to a recognition that sanctity is achievable even amidst flaws and failures, as can be seen in Saint Peter himself, the first Pope. Sheen was certainly an effective communicator and evangelist, and was in the leadership position at a time of great flux and change in the church. Maybe his remarkable ability to communicate with the men and the women of his time can be summed up by a quote from one of the many books 
that he published. The priest is not his own. The average American is physically, biologically, psychologically and neurologically unable to do anything worthwhile before they have had a cup of coffee. And that goes for prayer too. Even sisters in convents whose rules were written before electric percolators were developed would do well to update their procedures. Let them have coffee before meditation. That's all from the Pearl of Great Price today. Join us tomorrow if you can as we look at the city of St. Petersburg in Russia that voted to restore its name after enduring 60 years of communism as Leningrad. I hope you've enjoyed listening. Visit us on www.pogp.net and if you'd like to contact us to request a topic or ask any question, then email the show on pogppod at gmail.com. Have a lovely day wherever you are and thanks for listening.